Hello and welcome students to the discussion of The Shapers of Destiny, your complimentary course on British history for semester 3. As you are aware, the aim of this course is to familiarize you with the history of Britain and also to understand how the socio-political history of Britain has shaped the life and literature of people and how it has impacted the rest of the world. As students of English literature, it is important for you to understand the historical events that shaped the literature that you learn now. As you have again and again understood the concept that literature is a piece of life in itself, understanding how the life was shaped when the literature was written is key to deriving meanings from literary texts. As you are aware, you will be dealing with module 2 in my classes, which is titled The True Breton. We shall begin our inquiry from 1066 or with the Battle of Hastings, also known as Norman Conquest, and end our discussion by tracing the emergence of Renaissance. But as we discussed earlier, history cannot be studied as a particular section or a particular module. History exists in continuum. What happens today is well understood if you know what happened yesterday. So as I requested, I hope you have read the first module, at least skim through the first module before we begin the discussion of the second module. So one key idea that I want you to remember throughout your learning of the second module would be the time period we are talking about in the second module is a time from 1066 when the Battle of Hastings happened which marked the beginning of the Middle English period until the emergence of Renaissance which marked the end of Middle English period and resulted in the beginning of Modern English period. So we will be dealing with this very peculiar time period of English history which is called the Middle English period. In order to study the Middle English period, we have to understand the Old English period a little bit and the background of the Middle English period and what happened so far and the political and social situation that witnessed the beginning of Middle English period to better comprehend the events or the incidents of the period. As I repeated numerous times, the Middle English period starts with the Battle of Hastings that happened in 1066. This battle, which is also known as Norman Conquest, was won by William the Conqueror, who was the Duke of Normandy. Normandy is a place near France, and it is important for us to understand why such a battle took place in 1066. Why did a person from Normandy in France come and invade England? So I hope you have read the Anglo-Saxon Kingdom and what happened during the time of Anglo-Saxon rule in England. The Anglo-Saxon King Edward the Confessor had to escape in exile to Normandy while the Danes or while the Danish rule happened in England. This happened till 1044. And during this period, when Edward the Confessor, the Anglo-Saxon king, was in exile in Normandy, he had offered the English throne 
or the throne of England to William, the Duke of Normandy. But this king, who did not believe or he who did not hold true to his words, changed his will at his deathbed and decided to designate his son Harold as his successor to the throne of England. This violation of promise by Edward the Confessor, the Anglo-Saxon king, led William, the Duke of Normandy, to go and fight a war and get what was promised to him, the English throne. So hence, William, the Duke of Normandy, is referred to as William the Conqueror because he conquered English throne through the Battle of Hastings. And Battle of Hastings is known as Norman Conquest because the winning side were Normans. So officially by 1066 with the Battle of Hastings, William the Conqueror wins the English throne and Normans who came along with William the Conqueror becomes the ruling section of the society. And naturally the ruling Normans become the land owners of England and also not only they did they bring about their style and culture but also the Norman French language which was very different from the common language which was used in England at that time which is Anglo-Saxon. So we understand that England after the Norman conquest consisted of two types of community or two types of uh, race of people. One was the Anglo-Saxons who lived in England under the Anglo-Saxon kingdom and then there was the ruling Normans who came along with William the Conqueror from Normandy. So their language was different because Normans spoke Norman French because it was a place near France and Anglo-Saxons spoke Anglo-Saxon English. And plus, as Normans were the conquerors of England, they had the ruling power. And also, they eventually became the land owners of the place. And also, they had French sophistication of culture and style. So, all of these four different factors, that is ruling power, land ownership, sophistication and difference in language, all of these factors widen the gulf between the group of people called Normans and the group of people called Anglo-Saxon. This widened gulf between these two sections of people resulted in a social structure which we call as feudalism. In feudalism, the society is divided in social hierarchy and you have understood that feudalism is defined by the division of the society into three estates. So there were three sections in the society. The first section was aristocracy, the most powerful. It included kings, barons, knights. These are all land owners or people who are capable of collecting tax on behalf of land owners. And then the second section was the episcopacy or the clergy where it was the men of church. And the third or the last estate or the lowest estate where the peasantry or peasants or serfs who were doing the work on earth. Now, a feudal system, when we try to understand it, is actually an elaborate chain of loyalties.
and these loyalties is expressed through paid rent and this rent can be in the form of money or products or military service. So in a feudal England, there were a set of people, especially in the aristocracy, who owned all the land in England and none of the others owned any land. Instead, they always operated in the land on behalf of the owner of the land. So there is always the owner of the land who is called the overlord to whom there are some people who manages the land who can be called as vassals. So the vassals carry out or look after the land on behalf of the owner or overlord and these vassals express their allegiance to the overlord by paying money. And ultimately, all the overlords or all the landowners are under the king. The king owns all properties of the country and under the king comes the overlords who own it on behalf of him and there are vassals who are under overlords who own it on behalf of the overlords. So each of these people, they, it's like a chain. They pay money for their allegiance. If this in this feudal system, in the feudal system, each person was assigned with a clear and fixed position, and the rights the person had was understood along with the obligations that they had to perform according to their rank. So you, you see it's a complicated social structure which is a chain of uh, dependency or loyalties and along with this existed the third estate which is called the church or we can call it the episcopacy. So this together results in the political and economic unification. The church actually allows the political and economic unification of the society. The church, especially led by Christianity, interlinked all of these kingdoms and dukedoms and free cities and all these different political entities that existed along the continent was unified by the church. And the Latin language, which was a common language in the church, uh, unified the different places in terms of a single language. And the church also had monasteries which became the chief centers of learning and it also became economically self-sufficient units which provided vocational training for peasants uh, and vocational trainings wherein activities such as handicrafts and also the monasteries functioned as hotels for travelers. So when we look at the larger picture in England as well as European countries, Church existed as an all-encompassing and a connective tissue to all the different parts or all the different countries. And what we understand about the life during the Middle English period is that it is very different from what we understand life now. Uh, it is a rather difficult quality of life that the people had. Uh, England or Britain is not as we understand now at that point of time. 
because there was very less variety of food and because of the lack of advancement in any industrial style uh, there was an inability for the people to put uh, preserved food so uh, the extra food when the agriculture brings in additional food or when it is the time for harvest uh, the food could not be preserved because there was no high technologies for preservation of food so there has to be special feasts where people would come together and finish off all these fresh foods there was a high rise of population but also uh, this middle english period like our time witnessed a pandemic but unlike the world that we live in the world was not interconnected globally at that point of time so the pandemic that happened which is called the black death or bubonic plague affected particularly the european countries and especially when you talk in terms of britain uh, it almost half the population of britain almost half the population of britain died or gave their life to uh, the black death pandemic and the period is also prominent for the wars that were fought during the time there was a popular war of the different houses of the kingdom which is called the wars of roses and there was a civil war which defined middle english period and also there were so many interhouse disputes for uh, the crown and also there was a battle of bosworth which is prominent in the history of middle english period middle english period ends with the formation of the tudor line or the tudor dynasty which will be the topic that you will start your third module with some concepts that are most popular in literature and in the cultural life of middle english period is uh, knighthood chivalry medieval romances and ballads and miracle and morality plays are some of the major types of literature and to go back to the uh, concept that was very popular during the time was uh, chivalry chivalry is a well mannered Uh, attitude or performance especially to uh, women and this is a contemporary meaning but uh, back in the middle english period uh, the knights who were the military men of the time uh, were forced to be uh, tender hearted and uh, well behaving in the civic society after they come back from the battlefield so uh, chivalry was actually uh, the code of conduct that was prescribed for knights in order to perform in a normal civilized society as you know uh, warriors or fighters who have experienced the difficulties of the war front may develop a sort of shell shock or a develop a sort of numbness to life they might be a little rough and coarse in their actions and their conversations but this was not uh, a proper way of performing in a normal civil society therefore whenever these knights returned from battlefields they were prescribed a code of conduct where they are well mannered and when they are also expressing concern for women and Uh, children and the weaker sections of the society so this word eventually uh, changed its meaning to a well mannered performance towards women especially 
So when you look at the literature during this time, the most popular kinds of literature uh, was the medieval romances where uh, tales of these knights and their love interests uh, were written. And as you may have studied in your last semester, a story called Don Quixote. Uh, Don Quixote, uh, when you study that story, is also inspired by medieval romances that was written during the Middle English period. So as we studied in that chapter, Medieval romances deal with tales of chivalry. It usually deals with a knight and the story of the knight's adventure. And it might also involve uh, the knight's attraction or love for a lady love and uh, his desire to make this lady love love him back through his uh, demeanors of wonder and marvel so the stories also have an element of marvel and wonder and exciting adventures so thus medieval romances was one genre which was very popular in the middle english period and then comes the ballads ballads are usually sung or recited they are long poem like uh, writings and the another uh, form or genre of literature which was popular at that time was the theatrical plays. The one was miracle plays and the other one is morality plays. So miracle plays is actually a dramatization of biblical stories while morality plays are plays in which virtues and vices are humanized or made into characters and they confront each other and there are dramatic allegories that are made out of uh, the virtues and vices of uh, people or the society. So this is a general background or an outline to what happens during the Middle English period. And even if you skipped a few of the concepts or even if a few of the concepts that was discussed in this class escaped your mind, it is okay because you're going to study each of it in detail and you will understand what was discussed in this class towards the end of our discussion of the module 2. So I hope you start reading your text and uh, I remind you again that kindly make sure that you grab yourself a copy of the text and read ahead of classes. Thank you class. We'll start with True Britain, Module 2 of The Shapers of Destiny in the next class. Thank you.